dude well let's i mean let's start at the start like tell the people who you are uh, you know it's like chris chris osborne founder of dialect where were you before that like what's your what's your background yeah so uh first off nick james uh thanks so much for having us on the show and excited to be here yeah, of course. We're very excited to have you. Um, I can give a very brief background on myself. So I did my graduate work, my PhD in physics at Columbia, and it was in atomic physics, which is a field of quantum mechanics focused on either using light to study atoms or using atoms to study light. And it's got like incredible consequences, both in like applications, like the world's global positioning system can't run without it, like machines built using this kind of tech. Um, atomic clocks, like the world's standard time is set like using this kind of stuff. Like I did my research on an experiment very similar to like the thing that actually sets the world's time. Um, but then really cool stuff in quantum computing. I realized really early in grad school, I really liked to write software and build products. So I knew I wanted to like get out of academia, go into tech. So right after grad school, moved out to the Bay Area um, and ended up getting to split the difference and worked at Rigetti Computing, which is like a quantum computing startup. Um, legit moonshot, like one of these few companies going after what I think is like one of the 20th, 21st century's true moonshot problems, which is building these new kinds of supercomputers. And it's a long way off, but I had like a great time there. I was there for three years, joined when the company was very small and was like a physicist writing software. And by the time I left, we had like project managers, product managers, inner organizational people, all that stuff. And so really saw the company scale, which was an incredible experience. But then most notably, like my favorite part of that journey for me was I got to be technical lead for one of the three teams that launched Quantum Cloud Services, which was like AWS for um, quantum computing. And um, that relit the startup bug in me. And so I left Rigetti, started this company actually outside of crypto. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this story before, but like, you know, um, was working on a totally different problem, did YC. It was like, uh, like GitHub for investing, which had like, you can probably imagine like the Hacker News launches that you do like the whole hacker news like culture and community got pretty excited about it but you're in those typical like great activation really good downloads um and then you're in the trough of sorrow of like zero retention and so this was summer of 2021 where we were like grinding to fix retention and i'd been following solana for about a year at that point and just like just the incredible explosion of cool and interesting amazing things in the solana ecosystem happening kind of into like summer or fall of 2021 i was just like Every extra week that I'm not building on Solana is a missed opportunity. So, um, like, blocks, you know, like, basically, like, the speed and cost of Solana is just this, like, massive new design space. And I'd been following crypto for almost 10 years at that point. Um, discovered proof of work in, like, 2011 from a friend. And I was just like, this is just a, mat just a matter of time when this is going to be, like, a new kind of internet infrastructure. So took the leap and like September, October of 2021 got started on dialect and uh, we were up to the races. That's, that's an awesome story. Yeah. I love hearing people that come from like super non-traditional backgrounds where it's like you are a physicist and that's what your education is in. And like, it, I think it just makes for so much of a better story. Like I, I was in the military for 10 years. I just got out. I was in the, the working working on submarines and, and the nuclear reactors on the submarines and the engine room and stuff. So it's like, I love hearing, hearing talks from other people that have like very different, like I didn't just go to college for software engineering and now I'm a software engineer and it's just like the coolest thing ever. Um, Honestly, just a quick note on that. I feel like that's true in so many, like with you, these cutting edge industries like crypto um, 
I feel like so many interests, like it just attracts a really interesting different like variety of personalities and backgrounds. So like, that's really cool. And I may be out of scope for this podcast, but I would love to hear more about your story. That's really fascinating. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll definitely meet up in person. And uh... I think I think the people are waiting to hear more about it, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James keeps trying to get me to, like, give random things. He's uh... <laughs> he's Nick. Nick is Nick is rather coy about his military background on this on this podcast for some reason. Well, if you want to share some confidential stuff with me, uh, we can we can redact it or save it for after the podcast. But that's really impressive. That's really cool. <laughs> I would never share such confidential information. Um. <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, kind of circle back to dialect. So, dialect is the is the current product that you and your team are are building. It's like it's a smart messaging chat app, which is like what it's currently being marketed as, right? Can you talk about like what all dialect can do now, and and kind of like the why of why you're building a chat app in the crypto space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, the way we describe dialect today, we say dialect is a wallet chat and Web3 content platform. So in Dialect today, you can send and receive messages in group chats and DMs, all powered by wallets. So the authentication layer is pure crypto and wallets. Um, But that's not enough. Uh, To really differentiate and innovate here, we have to create experiences that are not possible in the traditional apps. And we see Web3 as one of those disruptive technologies that can make entirely new experiences possible. And when you look at the major historical waves of like messaging, um, chat, and those kinds of like messaging-based social layers on the internet, it was usually a disruptive technology, some new platform, some new infrastructure that opened up the door for new opportunities. So even just looking at like WhatsApp and WeChat, a lot of that was the maturing mobile world. Like mobile was just becoming a thing and that was their differentiator and their disruptor. And like also being cross-platform across iOS, Android and whatnot. Um, like that was a very big part of what that adoption was. And so if we believe that Web3 is going to actually like eat the internet and create experiences not possible on the internet, then messaging is no exception. There are new things we can do there. And so we are live today on iOS and Android and most importantly on Saga. We launched on day one on the Saga and Solana Dapp store, which was which was fantastic and got to, to got to yeah, I still have my DVT. My production unit has not arrived, but that is my fault, uh, 100%. I just like him terrible at email. So we can talk a little bit about that more later, like the problems with email that we want to solve. But I missed <laughs> miss the email, so my production unit has not yet arrived. But I think some members of the Dialect team have gotten theirs already. Um, so we're live today. This thing is in, in production. We've got um, like a substantial and growing user base. We've had a ton of fun building it. We're on all the major platforms. Uh, but more importantly, what we're doing is building experiences off of Web3 primitives that are new and different and differentiated. And there's two that are live today to your question, Nick, about um, what you can do right now in dialect that you um, can't as easily do or can't do at all in other products. Those are smart messages. And um, that is like a new way to interact on the Internet. We can we can get into more detail on that and like a new way to interact in messaging. And the other one is a new uh, a new content category, which is NFT chat stickers. And that is a very fun and interesting new take on what has already been a very successful and massive engine for growth in, uh, in Web2 messaging, meaning chat stickers themselves. Making them into NFTs and building a very unique and compelling collector's experience around that is something that we launched within the last few weeks and have had just like a fantastic time um, seeing our users engage with. So those are two things today. 
The point though is truly that like Web3 messaging, our goal, and this is one of those things where like this is a potentially non-consensus bet in general. Like if this were all super obvious, then it would already be true. Um, but if you look back at like when the internet was just coming together, like post.com bust, like when that whole that phase of the internet like rose and then crashed, there were a lot of legitimate questions of like maybe the internet is just gonna be like for sort of people who work in national labs putting up little like plain text documents of their like personal lives. Like maybe that's all the internet's good for and like commerce is not good. Our bet is that a combination of the things I just mentioned, plus our full roadmap for like what can messaging look like in the future, supercharged and, and powered by Web3. The way we like to describe it is like messaging in these traditional platforms may feel almost like a one dimensional, like flat sort of paper cutout of what can be a rich and like multifaceted, just like that messaging will feel completely dry or black and white in Telegram or WhatsApp compared to what you can do in Web3. And this will be one of those things where it's like so obvious in hindsight, but this is a non-consensus bet. Otherwise, like, you know, as we said, there would already be um, innovation in this space. And so that's the future we want to create. That's what we want to like, want to see come to life and happy to share any amount of detail there with smart messages. Well, actually, maybe I'll just pause there if you have any follow-up questions on that. Well, I, 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 I do one. Um, but first, I just need to call out that like, you are incredibly well-spoken to, to the point where like you have me like, uh, I will, I will admit that I, I came into this not 10 minutes ago feeling like dialect is really cool. Also, I'm not sure I understand the, the, the true value driver. And in a matter of like three minutes, you have completely reversed my opinion uh, which, which seems That's wild great to, to me. So you're, you're, you're a fan, you're a fantastic yeah. salesperson, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Right. None of that was meant to be like, I don't want dialect to, to succeed or anything. I've got the app. I, I use it, but it was, you know, it, there is sort of this outstanding question of like, well, why another chat app? Like, what are, what are we doing here? But your description of, well, Hey, chat has always been, or, or communication, even if, if we want to broaden it, communication in some form has always been one of the the major things that participates in technological revolutions and why would it be any different with crypto is like oh yeah say it say it that way and it, and it becomes very obvious and so i'd love to, you mentioned your roadmap the full roadmap i'm sure there are elements of that that you don't want to share but anything that you are willing to share i would love to know what you think or what bets you're placing on these sort of bigger features that aren't possible without web3 yeah. Um, and, and I would say like uh, the let's stick to some concrete stuff to start and then we can talk about some con concrete stuff that's actually not developed today. That's on our longer term roadmap. I mostly focused on kind of like the near term stuff. I think we, maybe we can just start with smart messages, like what our vision is there. And the point I would say is like dialect is as a mobile app. We launched only within, I think, the last week or two of 2022. So really in the new year. And so this has virtually been like the last four or five months for us. So still relatively young and the things you can do in dialect, it's still private beta, but you know, um, like anyone listening, go download it today. It's like definitely ready to use, um, but relatively small feature set that's just beginning to tease at these longer term goals of ours. So let's start with smart messages. Like what is a smart message? What can you do in dialect today with smart messages? And how is that just the beginning? And how do we expect that to really like change what messaging can be like. So I'll start there, James. I Maybe that can help provide a little more color yeah. on how we're thinking about the problem space. 
So one of the two things that we've launched today that we really think differentiates Web3 messaging from Web2 is what we call the smart message. And smart messages let you execute any smart contract directly from the message. They are like link previews with buttons on them for like single tap, instant transaction signing experiences. To explain why that's important and why we care about that, maybe we first look at like what the experience is in the Web2 world today in the vast majority of messaging use cases. So let's just say a friend is sending you a link to go do something like, hey, can you book a reservation at this you know, restaurant or something like that? Or like your bank is sending you a notification saying um, your credit statement is due, you need to pay your bill. Right now, calls to action, I call those calls to action on the internet that are shared through messaging, which is a huge amount of what we do in messaging, um, require a multi-step, multi-app, multi-interface journey to actually take the action. So like if your credit statement is due, you might need to follow a link. And now suddenly you're on a website when it's like, wait a second, this was supposed to link to my mobile app and it didn't, and I'm not signed in here. And then you're like, okay, well, six hours from now when I'm back at my computer, I'll try to remember to do this thing. Even just look at like business marketing, like, hey, you know, here's a promotion you can claim or go do these three things or do this one thing and we'll reward you with X. Calls to action on the internet today use links. And this is like a powerful and profound primitive on the internet, which is like the URL and the website. But authentication in Web2 is siloed and fractured. And that means that as you hop to these different environments, you're one, having to take these extra actions and then two, very likely not authenticated in those environments. So like taking action on calls to action on the internet is like personally for me, one of the highest friction things in order like to engage with friends or like, you know, businesses or offers, things like that. The smart message uses a really key critical thing about Web3, which is the universal authentication layer, the wallet. A lot of people say this is like one user table for like the whole internet. It's obviously per blockchain. But because dialect is wallet messaging, you can get a notification saying that you got, let's say, outbid in an auction on an NFT. And whatever the bid increment is, you can just have that convenient experience of just rebid at blah. And then right there, without leaving the messaging environment, you've got a little approved modal that pops up, you approve the transaction and boom, you're done. Um, you can have artists who've got their group chats dropping the mint smart message like, hey, I'm doing another mint this is live only to my holders. You're all in this group chat already, throwing it in here, pinning it to the top of the chat, and people can just like tap it right there. So like the message is the action. And this is a really like profound improvement to the layers of attrition that happen through all this like hopping around and not being signed in and whatnot. And it is a fully open specification in the same way that the link preview is. Any developer can dream up any smart message and build it and get it delivered into dialect. And one of the last things I like to say here is like, you know, link previews, which I think is like a relatively, we all interact with them. Nick or James, tell me like link preview is a word I think like yeah, everybody would yeah, understand. Sir, yeah. I, I was, I was explaining what dialect is to my wife uh, a couple of days ago, actually. And she was like, why? But it's a, it's a chat app. There's already chat apps. I was like, well, there's, you've got like this smart message. And I was like explaining her the concept of it. And she's like, but why would I care? And and then I explained to her like the chat stickers too. And then she was actually like, I want to open some sticker packs like really badly now. Amazing. So cool. The next yeah. time I and get a sticker like pack, each... I'm going to show it to her. But yeah, she's, I explained That's it with right. like, like the, the link preview. And that was like the thing she was like, oh, that makes sense. Like I was, I was like, gave her the example of a reservation. I was like, imagine if you had that link preview and you could tap a button and then 
take that action. You could book your reservation for whatever it is. And then she was like, oh, you know, that's that's super useful. So I think like the whole concept of smart messaging, this like fairly large problem that dialect is trying to solve, like that's right. It's such a natural next evolution in user experience on especially on mobile. It it's just yeah. it makes so much sense. But it's like hard to like think about it ahead of time of like, oh, that's what we should do. But like hindsight, after yeah. you explain it, it's just like, that's a genius idea. That right. We should do that. Nick, what you just described about your wife is actually a really great like case study in how we think about adoption of dialect. Different people click on different things and smart messages are solving a very different kind of engagement, adoption, retention problem than NFT chat stickers. And we've had some people where when we talk about the smart message, they just light up and they're like, oh my God, this is the future. I love it. And other people are just like, you know, eh, I don't know. Fine. Um, there's the difference between how someone responds to a pitch and then what it's like in their hands. And that's sort of like these stated versus revealed preferences and whatnot. And the last thing I would say on smart messages is, um, or maybe the last two things is what I was going to say about the link preview is everybody on the internet, like virtually everybody is messaging. And the link preview is like, I think this unsung hero of like the triumph of the social internet in the last 15 years. I actually don't recall exactly when the open graph um, standard, which is what powers like, hey, this is the image you render. Here's the title. Here's the description. But like taking like an indecipherable URL and turning it into this like rich multimedia, informative, and oftentimes like very beautiful thing is like one of the main things that has driven how we share the internet socially for the last 15 years. I don't think we talk about this enough. Like, I think it's like this profound improvement that just kind of like is in our lives every day, but it's read only. And so the way we think about smart messages, it is taking that next step in that journey to make it read right. And so I think it's a small but profound improvement to the way we engage on the internet. And I also see that it's like a very long-term road of development. I don't see this as something where it's just like, boom, you launch like one smart message and all of a sudden you've got like 10 million daily active users. Like that's not going to happen. And there are parallels in um, the traditional web too. Like if you look at how the traditional, like today's messaging giants, like WhatsApp, WeChat, Telegram, there are some parallels around like, this is actually more of like a steady drip of retain, like a retaining feature to retain users versus like the reason everyone's like clamoring to go download it. So um, we see it as a long road and there's only two live today. We can send and receive tokens and dialect and we can send and receive NFT chat stickers. But really you can think like take any web three button on the internet. Um, and in like, obviously this is like a important design question. Not all buttons make sense to like put in smart messages, but in the same way that like there's a URL on the internet and the developer or the team behind that web page is saying, what image do we want to show? What title? What description? Now they can be like, is there a call to action or some action a user might want to take on that URL? That's like, great, candidate for a smart message. Um, and then it's just this extra little tiny bit of engineering footprint to get it delivered um, into dialect. Is the, the like the button metadata, is that just stored in like in HTML, the head metadata on a web page? Is that all it is effectively? There's a... Actually, to, if you're interested, I, I can describe very briefly um, a little bit of a nuance here that's in the technical details of that, if you feel like that's in the scope. Cool. Yeah, I, I think it's super fun. We uh, we love getting into the technical things. Yeah. We had uh, we had Noah Prince from uh, Helium on right before the Helium migration, and he explained like very technically of how the Helium migration was going to go down. So we're all about the technical. I love that. That's great. And yeah, I bet that was like a fan. I got to go listen to that one. Um, yeah, so... 
there's actually a small nuance here, which is smart messages are built on top of an existing Solana protocol, which is the Solana Pay protocol. And Solana Pay for the audience um, is a bit of a misnomer. The very first protocol for Solana Pay was actually just like a pure send and receive tokens, which like, you know, then is a good name for it. But Jordan Sexton, who's the original author um, and member of Solana Labs, the original author of, Solana, of the Solana Pay, Pro, Solana Pay protocol, um, just a couple months after that first release, released a more general specification for Solana Pay, which is basically execute any transaction, like quote unquote, over the wire. Um, and so you can really take any action you'd want to take on both on and off chain resources in the form of signing transactions, signing messages, just to like prove that you are authenticated to do a thing off chain. All of that is within scope for the Solana pay, like transaction request specification. Smart messages are built on top of that in a way that adds a little extra flourish and metadata and whatnot. But I think the point I'm trying to make here is that is not a URL on the internet that like a user would go visit. That is actually a, a service we call the transaction request service, which is this off-chain service that builds and, and constructs transactions or sign messages ready for signing um, right on the spot for the user. I probably should have said this like one minute ago um, when I was talking about Solana Pay. Solana Pay is a way to like basically like connect wallets in unconventional mediums. Today, when we connect a wallet, we like load a website from some off-chain service. So, you know, like, you know, Vercel or, or um, any other kind of like website serving service, you like click a button, you click some more buttons in HTML and eventually you're like prompted to sign a message or sign a transaction. With Solana Pay, you can deliver that same experience more tightly and more efficiently in these unconventional environments like NFC codes, QR codes, and in, in our case, messaging. So we've built off of this spec and we're using this protocol and extending it for the full messaging experience. To your last question on how does this relate to sharing URLs on the internet, what we're doing, so not all smart messages point to like a website you can visit in the world, like sending and receiving tokens, like directly like Venmo style in dialect is just kind of this experience directly in dialect. It's not about a resource on the internet, like a web page. But there is this extra piece of how we're designing smart messages where if a developer or a team behind a website, let's say, you know, it's an NFT exchange and you've got an NFT, like the URL for some NFT, and that NFT is currently listed, like you can buy it right now, then yes, what the developer could do is add one extra little thing in the OG, like in the meta, like the, the meta, uh, in the head metadata um, for the web page. Uh, alongside title, description, any other Twitter-specific stuff that you would want for rendering link previews, you can add this extra little flag. And that flag will help link that site to building and signing all transactions and all that. So it's technically on top of smart messages, but it's a part of the spec. And it's really cool. Like, I think it's so much fun just to like kind of fit this neat little one-liner into an existing spec that's just like ubiquitous on the internet, which is the open graph spec for link preview rendering. That's that's awesome. Purely additive, purely I, complimentary. I'm so glad you brought up like the Solana Pay spec. We've actually talked about that a little bit on here. And the reason I'm glad you brought it up is it feels like it my my journey with Solana Pay uh, and how I felt about it almost parallels that my my journey during this conversation uh with regards to dialect, where it's like the jump between Solana Pay and oh, Solana Pay is a generalized spec where you can execute any transaction, understanding yeah. that it's not just about transfers. Uh, and I had the same sort of aha moment 10 minutes ago when you when you were talking about 
uh, smart messages more broadly where it's like, oh, it's not just about stickers. It's a, there, there's, there's this broader, like, like you said, you keep saying primitive, right? Like this, this fundamental primitive of a new internet. Um, and so that, uh, that jump between the two is, is like just happened for me with, with dialect, which makes it so cool. And, and as you're talking about your theory and hypothesis about, um, chat and content in, in, you know, the, the new internet that, that we're creating, I can't help but wonder, uh, well, it's like first I'm convinced already. You've convinced me, but now I'm fascinated to to know to <laughs> know to, to know to know how you got there, right? It's like how did you develop that hypothesis in the first place? What what was it that that made you think like, oh wow, crypto's really cool, and the thing that really interests me and the thing I want to dig into is is this this chat and smart messages type of primitive. It it that just doesn't feel like the obvious place for a physicist to 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 immediately be like oh that's I get the that area, question a right lot. <laughs> and, and so like i'm just curious about the journey that's right right yeah and maybe instead of like i'll probably focus a little more on the strategic journey that dialect has taken what was the original problem that tipped us off that we wanted to work in this problem space and how has that evolved over time in terms of me personally i can certainly follow up with that a little bit of like why on earth am i working on this because you're not the first person to ask um, the backstory on because software is fun. That's yeah, why. no, seriously. <laughs> the backstory on dialects evolution over time. So, like rewinding to late 2021 when we first got started. Back then, I think like NFTs were just taking off on Solana. Uh, like DeFi was really the still the dominant use case. And the thing that blew my mind, like basically, I started to get into crypto, like actually, like hands on, really doing things. As I said, I've been following it since like um, about a decade ago, but. But it was DeFi summer 2020 where I started playing around with things. And then it was summer of 2021 leading into the fall where I was really starting to use Solana around with things and, and like try the products that were available and think about like what's the missing piece here. And um, I think it's a relatively uncontroversial statement to say that like, let's say I go to some lending protocol, I connect my wallet, I load up some huge bag of collateral and I take some other thing out and I go put it somewhere else. And then I close the tab. When I like close the tab, there's literally like nowhere and no way for this protocol to get in touch with me if I'm like totally about to get wrecked, like completely obliterated by some liquidation if like there's price movement. So the original motivation was actually on the notification side that if you think about engagement in the form of just like any good Web2 product, immediately and as soon as possible tries to open up a line of communication to its users so that it can continue to nudge and engage like notifications basically for the for the purpose of retention um that just was like mind-blowing that that was something that really didn't exist um and, and so that was where we started and we started as developer tools we launched in early 2022 as a suite of tools around an sdk and a protocol for actually fully on-chain messaging wallet-to-wallet messaging. The ambition has always been to new be a new messaging platform on the internet. And so rather than thinking of us as like notification SaaS or like push notification infrastructure, we really are, or were, I should say, back in those days, the persistence layer of the protocol and then a suite of tools to make it as easy as humanly possible for a developer to like get that set up in their app. And so um, what we launched in March was like you could literally just go to our repo on GitHub um, and 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 import this into your um, dependencies in your React app, 
and then put a little like literally single react component into your nav bar and you would get a little bell up there fully stylable and when you opened it there was a completely self-service experience for your users to not only opt into notifications via our protocol but also like email telegram text message like a bunch of these other um, channels Um, that was just like very hotly demanded by these projects all fully out of the box, really minimal work on the part of the developers to get a line of notifications and a line of communication going to their end users. This is, of course, things around getting liquidation notifications, but it's also really like placed orders and like the receipt style, like what on earth have I done historically? And then, of course, like as, you know, NFTs have been taking off, this is all the kind of stuff around um, the things you might want to know about, like auctions, um, you know, uh, listed NFTs, really any notification style thing. There was one really big sort of missing or like gap in this whole thing, which was um, we spent most of 2022, as I said, like working with some of our favorite projects across the Solana ecosystem. We integrated with dozens and dozens of projects, really built close relationships. And that was like probably the number one thing that was so much fun for me last year was just like getting to know all of these incredibly talented teams. But by and large... The way that you like a notification is only as good as like it actually acting to notify you. And the problem was that, um, yes, an email, a text. And being able to actually receive that yes. notification in like a good usable Emphasis way. on like yeah. receiving in a timely manner. And the holy grail there, really like the gold standard, is a push notification on the lock screen of your phone. Like other than that, like everything else is kind of for fun. Like I'll see it when I'm next back here. But if you really want to like get that nudge of engagement and retention, it comes down to a delivery on mobile. And so when we were first getting started around notifications, everyone's like, oh, Dialect's like the Twilio of Web3. It was really this emphasis on SaaS of like getting engaging and, and, and connecting with users. And what we found despite many successful integrations was that the really the only way to deliver a great mobile notification was through text, email, or telegram. These other like web two channels that we had, which like given our vision in this problem space was just like a huge undersell as I see it. And it's also at risk of disruption from like, maybe disruption is not the right word, but like there's already an enormous and really rich set of SaaS around this problem in web two. And so it doesn't feel like a highly defensible long-term business. Our goal has always been about the protocol. And so we started to look at the opportunity of like, well, how can we actually deliver these notifications to mobile? And um, because there isn't what, what distinguishes sort of like a dialect or any other player in this notification space, like the Twilio for Web3, is that the ubiquitous protocol doesn't exist yet. Like SMS already existed for Twilio to send to. Everybody already had a phone. So like guaranteed delivery. And then for SendGrid and these like email providers, like everyone's already got an email. Um, so guaranteed delivery. And that didn't exist in Web3. So fundamentally different strategy, even if that's the problem you want to go after. And it's really that we need to drive adoption of the protocol itself. Can't do smart messages, can't do cool, ownable NFT chassis. You can't do any of that by email. It's just like not the point. And that's not what we're going after with dialect. So heading into the second half of 2022, and really actually the catalyst for us was when Saga, the Solana team announced in June of 2022 that they would be building the Solana mobile, like the saga phone we were just like look this is like too cool too wide open an opportunity to actually like lean in and create that incredible consumer experience and so we got slowly started on development of 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 the mobile app and that really like consumer grade uh messaging experience um second half of 2022 and then quietly launched it like 
at Breakpoint actually is like when we finally got our app store approval. Didn't announce it, didn't didn't say anything. I think James, you were one of our earliest uh, earliest users, and I think provided a lot of really good feedback for us. And then we finally launched in December. So like that's a little bit of our story here of like starting as notifications, realizing there's no real way to deliver a mobile first web like notification on a web three protocol. And then the last thing I would say here of like, why did we vertically integrate and become the consumer product is because like, so just as a quick qualification in our long-term ambitions, we really want dialect, the messaging protocol to be an open interoperable standard that anyone can build on. But the reason we've decided to focus on the consumer app um, from a sequencing perspective is coming back to a last point that I think I've at least alluded to, which is like to actually drive adoption of a new messaging protocol platform, like slap whatever word you want on it. The only way that's going to happen is if you create genuinely differentiated reasons of why anyone on earth would want to use it in the first place. And so we go so far as to say that Web3 messaging, and I feel like this was some of your early points, uh, James and Nick, like Web3 messaging is pre-product market fit. We are still, the onus is on people building in this space to like prove to anyone why on earth you would want another inbox in your life. Call it a chat app, call it a notification feed, whatever. Like why on earth should you have like any other notification or in, like any other inbox in your life? And the answer has to be really genuinely new differentiated features. And the reason we decided to vertically integrate is when you are pre-product market fit on an idea, you need to rapidly, rapidly iterate with your end users. And as a pure protocol and pure developer tools, you're putting a layer in between you and the end user that dramatically slows down development time. So take like the canonical SaaS example from Web2 of like Stripe, like paying on the internet is like pretty deeply product like that. There's very strong value of like product market fit there. And it really is fundamentally different. Um, so like, like building developer tools around like paying with a credit card on the internet is like an obvious thing you would do. But building developer tools around a protocol that really is pre-product market fit and fighting these headwinds of like, why would we leave Telegram? Why would we leave Discord? Like, why would we leave any of these? Um, we have to rapidly experiment and create these delightful new experiences. And if we don't do that, then um, I think probably the, the value prop will die on the line. Um, like it won't, we won't reach mass adoption. Yeah, I think like if you're any company who's making like a new protocol or a new like specification, if you just create this specification, you just give it to the world, you'll be like, okay, here's this cool yes. thing, use it. Everyone's no one's gonna care because they'll be like, no one else uses it. Why should I use it? So it makes so much sense that like standards are exactly it, it makes That's so exactly much sense right. that you develop a product around it to actually use it, demonstrate what it's capable of and why people should care. And I think like smart messaging and stickers are are a great like first use cases. Um, I would love to kind of circle back to one of the things you said about publishing in the app stores. Ooh, spicy topic. Um, it's pretty notorious in the crypto ecosystems, whether or not you're on crypto Twitter or even some of the big news outlets, that it's just it's just notoriously difficult to get published into either the Apple Play Store or, or the Apple App Store. I use Android. I don't know anything about Apple. The Apple Store or the Android Store to actually get applications live that touch crypto. And I remember hearing at uh, your kind of like uh, your little, what's the, what's the way I want to phrase this? I remember hearing at the Solana mobile launch or the Saga launch uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago. How does time work in this space? Um, 
you had talked about your experience of developing and actually publishing into these app stores and like why the Saga Dapp Store and the Solana Dapp Store is such an important like tool to give developers and publishers to actually publish. Can you share a little bit about your experience trying to publish in the the Apple and Google stores? And like, did you ever get any feedback or any like rejections from the those big companies? And like, were they helpful? Were they like, hey, we rejected you because of this reason? Or was it just very vague and you're just try a new thing and then resubmit it and you're like, hope it goes well. Like how, I'm curious about like that back and forth, if there was any. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a great question, Nick. And I think the short answer is like all of the above. Um, at a high level, I think the challenge here and why we're so excited about like the promise of Saga, the Saga phone, the Solana app store is that it um, removes a very complex constraint from the already hard problem of building a great product. Like building a great product is already hard. And if you sort of like slap on any additional constraints to that equation, you're just setting up greater and greater probabilities of failure. So our experience to date with the other app stores so far has actually been, I wouldn't say that like you can't do anything crypto. Like we've already got some really incredible mobile experiences in a bunch of mobile wallets. Typically like to date, very few mobile apps, like Web3 mobile apps that aren't just like wallets. You know, like we've got Phantom, Solflare, um, Glow, uh, and, and some others that are live today on the major app stores. And those are crypto experiences. And I don't want to speak for those teams, but I think the general thing that we've experienced is um, rather than that being like totally off limits, the challenge is not really having clarity on what is and is not allowed. And so when you think about like a good product development life cycle, you sort of like have a product team that knows what you want to build. And then you design it and you go through requirements. Like you do wireframes, you figure stuff out, you talk to the engineering team. Hey, does this make sense? Does this seem feasible? A little bit of back and forth. And then when you feel confidence, you like then go through designs. Then when you're done with designs you for, de for development, and then like you validate and measure like user impact after you launch. And like, you can't prep for anything. Like we basically have to fully build and launch a feature to some of these app stores um, blind without having any idea whether it will get accepted or not. And then after you get a rejection, sometimes it's very, very, very hard to figure out what the actual real issue is on hand. And so that is like one, it constrains the feature space. And then two is like a huge resource sink, like a hit on productivity and efficiency. And like literally like right before hopping on this podcast with you, I was cramming in a couple last sessions of walking through some product requirements. And like our lead mobile engineer, Kevin, is now our like resident wizard of like, he sort of blesses like, yes, this will be accepted. Or like, no, we can't use this language because he has that like, very um he's got his finger on the pulse like he has the deepest intuition around what's going to be accepted and what's not the second part of this like beyond the uncertainty and what will get accepted is uh it's not exactly like i would say this is again very gray area we are excited to try to get as many experiences as possible from dialect into these stores but like it's not totally clear like when you get a little bit into the like there's commerce happening um especially with one app store in specific, there's a requirement that it happened through their in-app purchasing system and that they take a 30% cut. 
And in that scenario, that is actually like a showstopper for a lot of kinds of protocols. Like if I want to go deposit $10,000 into a lending protocol, like I'm not going to pay, like the whole point is to earn a few percent yield. And so I'm not going to pay 13,000 to do that, um, like a 30% head. And the same goes for really expensive JPEGs. What's fun though, and why we're like, you know, um, think that we may have some kind of path forward here is like, if you're charging for a chat sticker where you can get 20 of them for $1, then maybe I'd pay a dollar and 30 for that, like, you know, for the convenience of being on mobile and, and TBD, like, you know, but, but, but there's like echoes in the sort of earlier history of the internet of like, you know, iTunes was paid, Napster was free, but iTunes won because it was convenient. Like it took over the internet at the time because then same with Spotify. That said, what's insanely exciting to us about Saga and the DAP store specifically, because I, I know that was your question, is we really can operate in a completely unconstrained design environment like totally said this a few times that the you are coming back to the earlier part of the conversation like the thing people had to figure out back in in like the 1990s was what a URL was that was like a new and complex concept and now the whole world gets it and totally yeah you know, I, I I'm fairly certain this is something he said now it's self custody we're trying to figure out self self custody and that comes down to compelling and intuitive user experiences and if you can't really ship the thing unconstrained that you want to do to test that idea on a non-crypto native or a normie, as we say, and you're trying to jump through hoops and kind of like zig and zag to try to like get the thing approved, then the chances that they're going to understand it are just lower and lower. And so Saga gives us that test bed to be fully unconstrained and to build just really ace the user experience and be 100% focused on, on building something that our users love. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Well, well, Chris, this, this has been incredibly enlightening for me. I want to say real fast, just by, you you know, say like a positive thing about your app, which is you mentioned that I was one of, one of the earliest like beta users. Part of the reason that I was vocal about it is that I, I opened up the, I'm an iOS developer. I'm a native iOS developer. That's where I started my software development career. I do a lot of other things now, but it's like, I will always sort of, my identity will always be somewhat tied to like native iOS developer. I opened up the dialect app and I was like, oh, this is amazing. They made a native app because a lot of people in crypto make like bad UX decisions. And 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 so it's like, I was stoked because I was like, they made a native app. And then later I, and I immediately started talking on Twitter about it because I was excited that, it, that, you know, it was native. I remember and it was that. And, and, it, and, 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 and it was, yeah. and it was great UX. And I come to find out a couple of days later, it's react native, which obviously like ties Ooh, into native components, <laughs> but it wasn't like written in, in Swift or objective C or anything. And I, which was, I honestly, like, instead of that bumming me out, it made me even more excited that, that you cared uh, that you found a way to merge wanting everybody to have the experience with wanting the experience to feel native and be great. And so even though I didn't fully comprehend the why behind a new messaging app before this conversation, I already assumed dialect was going to be successful because of the care you put into the user experience. And now we've just, now we've layered on top of that, the like, strategic understanding the the broad vision that you have to where now I'm like, how can I invest? I want in kind of thing, you, you know, like I, 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 uh, I'm a I believer in, in, in a way that I, that I definitely was, um, 
you know, like, yeah, they'll probably be great now. And now I'm like, anything Chris touches is going to turn to gold. So this is, this is going to be awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. Super excited to see what you all build. Yeah. I'll definitely echo that too. Like it's the, every time I've, I've interacted with anyone from dialect, it's very clear that all of you care so deeply about like creating such a good product and such a good user experience. Like it's phenomenal. Like we need good user experience in the crypto sphere. And like you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Yeah. One of our first insights when we quietly released dialect on the app store was like how exciting it was that it just didn't totally suck. I was like, Oh, no one's (laughs) going to use this thing. No one's going to care until we really ship the bar with chat stickers (laughs) and all that. But just like it not sucking was like actually working really well for a while. And I wish we could build a native app, James. Like it's, it, I feel it today, especially with now that we, our users have minted over 600,000 of these chat stickers, That's performance awesome. is taking a hit incrementally. And we're just like constant grind against performance issues, but doing everything we can to build the best possible product. Cause that is table stakes. Like, you know, if we're going to try to onboard non-crypto natives, we got to aim for, for really consumer grade experiences. Yeah. Look, look, um, it is a truly great app. And I hope to anyone listening, I hope you have grasped the, like how truly revolutionary the idea of smart messages is because I didn't before this conversation. I I hope that this is the conversation that flips on the light bulb for everybody the way that it, that it did for me. Um, Because if, you know, if, if listeners are getting that, then it's, then, then I think uh, I think this is a worthwhile conversation. It, it, like it definitely was for me and I'm, I'm excited to see where things go. Fantastic. But, and um, that's just step the, one. Um, that, yeah, that's step one. We've got a dozen plus other crazy ideas of what's going to make web three messaging really differentiated. Um, so stay tuned. Um, amazing. Love to hear that. I'm so excited to, to see it. We will have to have you on again so that we can, you know, continue the conversation <laughs> right. and dive, dive deeper into the future, into the future roadmap and that sort of thing. But thanks so much for giving us your time and and enlightening us as to why dialect and how it's going to how it's going to change the world. Nick and James, thank you so much for having us. It's our pleasure. Sweet. Well, to the listeners, so long until next week. 